Who decides medicine prices? How are vaccines made? Do you have questions about the healthcare industry? Welcome to 19 Conversations. Today we're asking Natalie Mole, the FPA Director General, will the pharmaceutical strategy achieve its aims? I'm Sue Saville. Thank you for joining this conversation. Natalie Mole, welcome to 19 Conversations. So the EU pharmaceutical strategy is about to be launched. How critical is it for this industry then in Europe? The EU pharmaceutical strategy is absolutely critical, not just for our industry, but really for Europe as a whole. It's the first time we've had a pharmaceutical strategy at European level and considering the devastating impact of COVID-19, we should not just be looking to see how we can emerge from the crisis, but how we can reimagine our collective future. It should really be a future based on better patient outcomes, on efficient, sustainable healthcare, which is at the forefront of medical innovation. Um, In laying her priorities for this mandate of the European Commission last year, the president of the Commission asked the health commissioner, Stella Kyriakides, to help ensure Europe has the supply of affordable medicines to meet its needs, but also to support the European pharmaceutical industry and ensure that it remains an innovator and a world leader. And now, more than ever, the devastating human and economic cost of the COVID-19 pandemic has underlined the importance of discovering, developing and creating access to new diagnostics, treatments and vaccines to respond to global health threats, as well as to meet Europe's existing health challenges and unmet medical needs. At the same time, we really share the goal of fast, equitable and sustainable access to treatments, and we recognise the disparities and delays in access for patients across Europe. Addressing these issues requires a shared evidence base, really, to understand the root causes of shortages, the barriers and delays in access to treatments. For this reason, we really support the creation of a dialogue, a high-level forum on access to innovation that would develop the shared understanding and co-create the novel and flexible and collaborative models that um, to solve such access and shortage issues that we have not managed to solve alone until now. So we really believe that these two goals, um, world-leading innovation and faster, more equitable access to medicines can both be achieved by using the right policies for the right issues. You mentioned the right policies there. What are the policy drivers then that Europe can implement? Well, through the pharmaceutical strategy and um, the analysis recently of the orphan and pediatric regulations that were set up about 10 and 20 years ago to stimulate research and development in these areas of unmet medical need, as well as the European trade strategy, the updated European industrial strategy, uh, and a number of other tools like the public-private partnership that we have at European level and a new one on health will be coming up the intellectual property action plan the EU has uh, in development. Really, the EU has a number of levers to rebuild Europe's research and manufacturing ecosystem and reimagine the direction that Europe is taking, as well as to enhance uh, the region's strategic resilience and driving our economic recoveries. Really, um, I see a whole package of opportunities. Unfortunately, at this stage, these policy initiatives don't necessarily include the drivers of innovation needed to achieve that ambition from President von der Leyen I mentioned before, supporting the European pharmaceutical industry to be a world leader in innovation. There are suggestions of opening 
key pieces of uh, innovative legislation or legislation that has helped to stimulate innovation. And we really think that that will not solve the access issues that uh, Europe has been facing, that we recognize and want to be a co-creator of solutions for, but rather it would risk destabilizing Europe's research ecosystem and accelerating this 25-year hemorrhage of cutting-edge research to other regions like the US and China who have overtaken us. So if the drivers are perhaps not in place there on that innovation and being a world leader, what is needed then to reverse this trend and put Europe on the path to better research, resilience and recovery? Reward for innovation based on its value to patients, health systems and society. It seems like such a simple equation, but of course it isn't because this value needs to be calculated and needs to be agreed uh, within healthcare systems and within society and by patients, but really a competitive world-class regulatory system that embraces advances in science and technology and medicines and accelerates access to innovative healthcare solutions and optimize patient outcomes would be the basis. Then ensuring any future IP-related decisions, such as those that might be contained in the IP action plan or in other parts of the pharmaceutical uh, strategy or the industrial strategy, really promote sustainable innovation and create opportunities for jobs and growth to retain Europe's competitive advantage in the global economy, including in our sector. Also establishing a European health data space. A lot has been said about that. Um, This really would encourage the use of digital tools, for example, artificial intelligence, machine learning, mHealth. We've seen how crucial these tools are during the pandemic, and this really would enable Europe to become a center of excellence in medical research and manufacturing. Advancing Europe's smart trade agenda to promote the quality of standards and investment, as well as actively use trade policy to promote Europe's regulatory and IP framework globally. Um, Europe is the first exporter of finished uh, medicinal products globally, with 64% uh, of the market. And we really want to maintain and promote that. And then finally, really using EU funding instruments to further encourage research to assess the impact on pharmaceuticals in the environment through public-private partnerships, as well as through research programs such as Horizon Europe. So to deliver faster, more equitable access for patients across Europe, we really need to get around the table and discuss um, all these different opportunities, discuss the root causes that are multifactorial and work together to find uh, solutions. Gosh, that's quite a list of, <laughs> of areas that could be worked on. There's, there's a huge amount in there. And there is a proposal then for a, a high-level forum on better access to health innovation. How might that help deliver some of the solutions that you're seeking? Well, first of all, it would be an opportunity to co-create and discuss. And I think that's the one thing that we have been missing. We have had a technological revolution both on the biosciences end as well as on the IT and data gathering and development end that have transformed the way in which we uh, develop treatments as well as deliver products to patients and measure the outcomes. This revolution has happened very silently over the last 15, 20 years, and we haven't really stopped to discuss the disruption that it has caused to healthcare systems But of course it has wonderful disruptions like cures for diseases or changing the underlying um, 
cause of a disease, keeping patients out of hospitals. I can think of many, many wonderful uh, things that have come from the science, the disruptive science over the last 10, 15 years. But of course, this also means that healthcare systems have had to adapt. And if you don't have a joined up conversation on a revolution, uh, you end up having uh, probably not the best uh, adaptations to that. So we really believe that bringing all the actors around the table, the member states, um, the different actors along the healthcare system from industry all the way down to patients, including doctors, uh, national healthcare systems, uh, nurses, uh, everybody you can think of, hospitals, would really allow us to explore solutions. We could look into areas, for example, of how to speed up the regulatory process to deliver high quality diagnostics, vaccines, treatments and to patients as fast as possible. We could look at proposals that aim to increase the transparency of information regarding placing on the market of centrally approved products or proposals to facilitate a process that allows prices to align with the value and the ability to pay uh, of different players. We could also, uh, in such a high-level forum, look at proposals to improve the efficiency and quality of the value assessment, as I mentioned before, because value should really be what drives decision-making, and um, proposals to ensure equity of access and solidarity across EU member states. And we've seen how important this is during the COVID-19 crisis, but it's not just important during the COVID-19 crisis, of course, it's important for every single patient in Europe. You talk there about losing innovation from Europe to other countries, perhaps particularly to America and maybe increasingly to China. Why is that? What is it that underlies that loss of innovation? Well, um, the innovative pharma industry is an industry that requires the right research ecosystem in order to continue to innovate. So the basis for the industry is the opportunity to continue to innovate. And this is usually made up of a, a research ecosystem that includes, of course, um, universities, research centers, etc., but also incentives that support research. And at the moment, those parts of the world, the US and increasingly China, have been focusing on strengthening their research ecosystems and their in suite of incentives. And of course, that attracts investment from uh, an innovative sector like ours. In Europe, we have been um, giving some mixed signals. Last year, we approved a regulation on SPC manufacturing that rolled back a little bit of intellectual property for the innovative industry. And at the moment, we're discussing reopening, as I mentioned, regulations that incentivize research. And those signals are, of course, concerning to an industry that is a long-term investor. Our products take between 10 and 15 years to come to the market. So before you decide where to invest, you need to make sure that the environment is stable, predictable, and that there's a good research ecosystem there for you. And you mentioned the IP action plan that there will be in the EU. What would you like to see in that then that would help anchor in intellectual property into Europe? Well, Europe has one of the strongest IP frameworks in the world. It's um, it's world renowned. And indeed, in many of our free trade agreements, the IP provisions that Europe has are then translated into the countries with which we have free trade agreements, which shows that the world class level of our IP and in the past few years where there have been analysis of various pieces of legislation at European level connected to pharmaceuticals, um, it has been clear that there are areas of unmet medical need where we need more support 
to have more research, more development and arrive at solutions. So you could imagine some incentives, for example, in the area of antimicrobial resistance, where at the moment this is clearly a market failure. It's the model doesn't work because you're not supposed to sell a lot of antibiotics. You're not supposed to use them. Um, so you could think about uh, new incentives around that could be IP related to promote and support the research against AMR. You could also think about other areas of unmet medical need and ways of repurposing medicines. I think there's a lot of scope to be creative, to be positive, to learn from the regulations that have worked, like the Orphan Medicinal Product Regulation or the Pediatric Regulation that have worked in creating a whole new ecosystem of SMEs, research, development, and then eventually products, learning from what we did right then and seeing whether we can apply some of those to areas of unmet medical need that remain today. With the EU pharmaceutical strategy, one of its aims then is to give fair, equitable access to medicines across Europe in the current climate of the COVID-19 pandemic. Are you confident that when vaccines become available, there will be equitable access in Europe? That's a very important question, Sue, and and, uh, what we did as an industry practically immediately is uh, make a public commitment to that end. In fact, our commitment contained 12 different points uh, that spanned all the way from supporting healthcare systems to research to developing new products, treatments and vaccines, and it ended with access. And we are companies committed to make sure that our products are available and affordable for everybody and to work with governments and healthcare systems in order to ensure that. So just picking up on that thought, then you've made that commitment. Is that a good basis then? You feel confident that that commitment that was made early on in this pandemic is going to give the best chance of everybody getting access to vaccines? Yeah, what I feel very confident about, in fact, is the way the collaboration has worked over the last seven months. It's been really completely extraordinary in the sense that it hasn't it's been outside of the ordinary the way that the industry and the other stakeholders have been working together to find solutions and collaborative solutions uh, to the supply chain, to the movement of people, to the movement of goods, to the movement of trucks, to the movement of everything, to make sure that patients had the supply of medicines they needed, uh, COVID-related or non-COVID-related. And then you add the commitment on top of that. And I think really the experience of the collaboration, the public commitments, um, the ongoing discussions between companies and governments really prove that together we can be so much more effective at ensuring access at finding solutions, at speeding innovation up. And it gives me a lot of hope. Uh, And we want to continue to really work with all actors, whether at European level or national level, to see how we can align our policy initiatives and our actions to support access to COVID-19 related vaccines and treatments, but not only, and make sure that we have a future in medical innovation as a leader. So, Natalie, you've outlined there with the EU pharmaceutical strategy coming up what its aims are and still the needs and your desires for what needs to be in place. So so what do you hope to see happen over the next few months and into next year? I hope that we're able to do two things. Of course, today we are dealing with a short-term and global emergency of solving the COVID-19 pandemic, overcoming, coming out of under the cloud. And that is a very important uh, and priority action of ours. 
Um, there are some lessons learned, as I mentioned, of things that we have achieved together, and we should build on those. On the other hand, there's the development of the pharmaceutical strategy, which is a long-term policy and strategy development that will shape how Europe acts with regard to pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceutical industry, in the, probably the next 10 to 20 years. And I really hope that we are able to work together to decide collaboratively how we can best shape the strategy to ensure access and availability issues, as well as to uh, develop proposals to build on the successes of Europe's orphan and pediatric regulations and our IP regulatory framework to meet the needs of patients across Europe in the future as well as today, of course. Natalie, thank you. We look forward to seeing how that pans out. Natalie Moll, thank you very much. Natalie Moll, FPA Director General, has been my guest today. And thank you very much for listening to 19 Conversations. If you liked this podcast, please click on the subscribe button to be the first to know when we release our next episode. And please leave a rating and a review. So until our next episode, we'd invite you to join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag questions inspire solutions. Thank you and goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.